And everybody said, praise the Lord. Why don't you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord this evening? I'm not going to begin to endeavor to respond to all that has been said and all that I could say and all perhaps that I should say relative to protocol, but uh, sometimes I was well trained in ministry as a young man and I was taught whatever they ask you to do, you do that and nothing else. Whatever they ask you to do. So they've asked me to preach tonight. And that's my part in the service, and so I want to quickly get to the word of the Lord this evening. I will say how much I deeply love and appreciate the Melton family, and uh, you know, friendships are not uh, forged out of status. They're not forged out of elite clubs. They're not forged out of certain attainments or accomplishments. That merits a friendship. Friends are friends, and none of that comes into play. And uh, I appreciate our friendship because we don't see each other all that often, but we do have the privilege of just picking up and carrying on right where we left off, laughing, enjoying, encouraging, inspiring, and sharing victories and challenges. And I love this family very much. Appreciate Brother Melton. His conscientiousness toward the work of God. One of the most conscientious men you'll ever meet relative to his role as your pastor and your spiritual leader. He carries that with a great deep of uh, sincerity and gravity, and I commend him for that. And when I think of this church, I think of Brother and Sister Parma. And uh, I think maybe when I heard they were leaving, this is crazy, I felt like crying myself. <laughs> I felt like crying. Because I thought, Lord, have mercy. That's just ripping their heart right out of their chest. These people have been together so long and worked so close and, and, and to be able to be here tonight with them and, and what a blessing. I appreciate apostolic continuance. Just going on with the Lord. And I commend them and their work with God and their, their ability to find their place in the kingdom of the Lord. And the message we heard last night was directly a word from the Lord. It's so powerful. And so pointed. That's the God that we serve. Now, last evening, Brother Anderson dealt with comforting, consoling, encouraging. And tonight, my part in this 35th anniversary celebration is to challenge you. I am going to come after you. I want you to know that I will be shooting no blanks. And I will not be shadow boxing. And I will have every one of you dead in my scope tonight. I will put down my rifle and I will get a shotgun so I can spray this audience this afternoon. And, uh, and feel of the Lord what I feel God would have me to say. Uh, indulge me to say, Brother Lumpkin, I love you, appreciate you. I appreciate heritage. I appreciate people that are true to heritage. I didn't have an apostolic heritage, but I was privileged to start one in my family, to start a heritage. And I thank God for that. But I respect the fact that I knew his dad, and his dad would be so proud of him and the ministry that they've carried on and the work they've done for the Lord. I deeply respect that and respect you for that. And also, brother and sister Clifford here tonight, uh, my wife knew a lot of Pentecostals before I did, and, and uh, they preached revivals in my wife's home church 
uh, when she was younger. That is, for you that don't know, that's one of the most politically correct things I will say tonight. <laughs> Honoring the Cliffords. Uh, she was younger, and they came and preached and told me all about them, and then I had the privilege of meeting them. And I'm honored that they would be in this service tonight. So I'm going to preach to you. Everybody say a challenge. And I'm not going to be condemning. I'm not going to be judging. I want to set the stage for the next 35 years. How many of you have ever heard a message you say, boy, I wish I'd have heard that 20 years ago. What I'm going to preach to you tonight, I don't know why God was so slow getting me to understand this and getting me to see this. I could have used this a long time ago as I will bear out in a personal testimony as the word of the Lord is preached tonight. Psalm 78, verse number 40. Psalm 78 and 40. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness? Psalm 78 and 40. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him? They provoked him. They grieved him in the desert. 41. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They provoked him. They grieved him. And the Bible tells us what provoked him and what grieved him was the fact that they limited him. They limited him. And by limiting him, God was provoked and God was grieved. If there's anything I don't want to do tonight, it's to provoke God in a negative way or to grieve God. I want Him to be pleased with me and acceptable with my walk with Him. So I shall preach to all of us tonight from this text. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Turn around to two or three people and say, guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. And you may be seated. Without representation, without any debate, without any discussion, I stand in this pulpit tonight to declare you, me, and we, all of us, are guilty as charged. Charged with the same accusation of the Old Testament church. And that charge is simply limiting the Holy One of Israel. I'd like for you to note, I won't take time tonight to read all of those verses in that chapter. But it's an amazing thing to see what God had done for them. Miracle after miracle, supernatural intervention after supernatural intervention, provision, protection, preservation, heaven open, angels, you name it. It was all there. And then God stepped, stepped in and he said, but you limited me. I did all these phenomenal, fabulous things. And he said, but you limited me. I have to ask the question, since God did all of that, and he said to them, you limited me. I have to wonder just 
what did God really want to do? <laughs> when you look at all that he did, I wonder how much there was that God yet wanted to accomplish, but they would not allow him because they limited the Holy One of Israel. Jesus even said when he was in his time of visitation in the flesh, how oft would I, but you would not. I want to preach to us this evening that God wants to challenge us to take the limits off of him and let him be the God of the supernatural, the God of the miraculous, and be the God that is without limitation because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or we could even think. I'm going to challenge you tonight like this. And excuse me, but I'm fired up. I know I don't look it and I refuse to act it, but as of tonight, I am 69 years old. But something happened in January, and I feel the fire of God like I did when I first started preaching. And I made up my mind, I'm not going to smolder and go away in a steam of smoke. I'm going to burn until the rap. Hey, come on, folks. We don't have to be dead, dull, born, and dry. Here's what God is telling this church right now. We need to pray bigger prayers. We need to expect enormous results. We need to anticipate awesome answers. We must no longer provoke him. We must no longer grieve him by not letting him do what he wants to do. There's a lot of gray hair. There's a lot of no hair. There's a lot of old folks here, but you haven't seen yet what God wants to do. You haven't yet seen what God has in store for you. You haven't yet seen the great blessings God has for your life. Matthew 27 and 2 is a, a sad scripture when the Bible says in 27 and 2, and when they had bound him. I'm talking about a, a bound Jesus. The Bible said they bound him. We bind him in unbelief. Puny, paltry, pitiful, small petitions bind him. We bind him with small faith. Little dreams, low levels of satisfaction, and ant-sized expectations. The last thing this apostolic church needs to do is have church with a bound Jesus. We must not have a bound Jesus. Our faith must free him. Our love must liberate him. Our expectation must allow him to do what he wants to heal the sick. Deliver the oppressed. Set the captive free. Bring revival. Work miracles. Yeah. 
Turn around to somebody and say, don't limit him. Don't limit him. The Lord we love and serve is limitless. With him all things are possible. I said all things are possible. He has all power under heaven and earth. He is able to do great and mighty things. But the beautiful part about our God is he describes himself as an exceeding great God. Which means when you think you have seen God's best, you got another thought coming. Because when you leave here and think you've seen God do the greatest thing he's ever done, you're going to come back to church and say that again. I've been in the church since I was 13 years old. And I've said it over and over. It don't get better than this, but it does get better than this. It doesn't get greater than this, but it does get greater. You haven't seen the best service yet. You haven't seen the greatest miracle yet. Take the limits off. When the lights go out here tonight, hey, what are we going to eat after church? Surely there's a menu somewhere. Brisket. What else? Potatoes. When we got our face in the potato bowl and the barbecue sauce is on our shirt and the lights have been turned off here, I don't care how many miracles happen. I don't care how many people get delivered. I don't care how many blessings you get. When the lights go off, whoo, there's going to be just as much God in here as there was when we started. Ain't nobody going to strain God. Ain't nobody going to pressure God. Ain't nobody going to tax God. When we leave here, there'll still be miracles here. There'll still be blessings here. Let's not limit God. So quickly, let me tell you about three points I'll preach. How can we limit God? Number one, and I'll come back and preach a little about, about each one of them. Everybody say prayerlessness. Number two, improper perception of his power. And number three, an inappropriate appraisal of his atonement. That's how we limit God. Prayerlessness. Improper perception of him. And an inappropriate appraisal of his atonement. First of all, let's talk about prayer. The greatest privilege ever afforded a human being. God said, ask. Ask. And you shall receive. Notice with me, brothers and sisters, he did not qualify small, medium, or large. He just said, ask. Songwriter said, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry. Everybody say everything. Everything to God in prayer. You're putting up with stuff tonight you don't need to be putting up with. All you'd have to do is pray about it. You're enduring some stuff tonight you could come out of in just a few minutes if you'd pray about it. You're carrying stuff tonight you could get rid of in just a few minutes if you'd pray about it. If we will pray. Everybody say ask. John 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, and I haven't had time to really research this in its fullness, but I think it's pretty amazing. 1624 of St. John, he said, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. 
Can you imagine that? You have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you shall receive. That your joy may be full. He said you have limited me because you have not asked me. Turn around to somebody and say, why don't you just ask him? Why don't you just ask him? What the apostolic church needs tonight is a baptism of the audacity to ask. The audacity. Everybody say the audacity. The audacity to ask. I read this some back time back, just before that great movie star Jimmy Stewart died. He gave away his memorabilia and a lot of things connected to his marvelous acting career. It was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he gave it to a college, a small college. And the media interviewed him and said, why did you choose that school? Was it your alma mater? No. Did your kids go there? No. Were you given to their principles in a special way? No, I don't know anything about them. He said, they said, why did you give them that? He said, they asked him. He said, they asked me the audacity to ask. God would blow your mind tonight if you'd get the audacity to ask. And when I'm talking about asking, I'm not talking about some small little something. You see, our prayer life is kind of like having an interview with the wealthiest man in the world. See, I don't know who the wealthiest man in the world is right now. Let's say Bill Gates. You get an interview with Bill Gates. And it's like you saying to him, Brother Lumpkin, Hey, Bill, could you loan me $10? Hey, Don Trump, could you loan me five to keep me alive? The audacity to ask somebody like that for five bucks. But that's the way our prayer language is. When we go to God in prayer, it's like we're asking for peanuts and small little things. I don't mean to put you in a bind, God. I hope this don't hurt you. Now, I hope this don't set you back. I hope this don't really cause the angels to have to rub your back with some type, of, some type of cream for about a week after you worked so hard to answer this great, big, terrible, ugly, huge prayer. We ask him for little old bitty things when God said, I'm upset at you. I am provoked at you. I am grieved at you because you limit me by not allowing me to do the great and mighty things that I want in your life. Somebody's got to get an audacity to stand up and say, my kids are not going to hell. My church is going to have revival. We're going to build a brand new building. We're going to see miracles. The audacity to ask. Now, my best friend is Brother Mark Foster. I wish he was here tonight to enjoy this message with me. Brother Foster is baptized with the gift of the audacity to ask. Many years ago, we were all together in North Carolina at his house. It was about uh, 40 people, 20 preachers and their wives having a fellowship. Just got together. Somebody said, hey, let's go get something to eat. And if you know Mark Foster, his response was, my God, yeah, let's go get something to eat. I'm starving. I'm hungry as a bear. My God. So we get in the car. 
Stay with me now. And we go to Taco Bell. There's about eight preachers in that car. We pull up. Brother Foster says to the lady, I want to order 80 tacos. I could hear it through the intercom. The lady says, excuse me, sir. He said, I want to order 80 tacos. Eight, zero. Yes, sir. Will there be anything else, sir? He said, yes. I want eight free Diet Cokes while we're waiting on those tacos. She said, yes, sir. We'll send them right out. talking about the audacity to ask. We were in a, out hunting in West Texas and had a huge barbecue place out there. It's well known for its barbecue. There's about 15 of us walked in to eat barbecue one afternoon. They had this long wire across that old barbecue house and there was the hats there that advertised that, that barbecue house and we go in to eat and we, we order much and so Mark walks up to the proprietor, hey, there's about 15 of us here going to eat barbecue here tonight. We're going to run up a big bill. How about 15 of those hats free for all of my friends? Yes, sir. How many do you need, sir? He starts pulling hats off the racks, handing them to everybody. You know why you don't have it? You ain't got the audacity to ask. The reason that other people are getting it and you're not getting it is because you don't have the audacity to ask. Nobody should get more miracles than this apostolic church. Nobody be, ought to be asking for greater things than we're asking for. Nobody ought to be receiving better miracles. Somebody's got to have the audacity to ask. <laughs> don't ask for two to get the Holy Ghost. Ask for 20 to get the Holy Ghost. Don't ask for 20 to be baptized. Ask for 50 to be baptized. Have the audacity to ask. 2 Chronicles 16, 12, I quickly move on. The Bible talks about a man named Asa. The 39th year of his reign with disease in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Notice this. Yet in his disease, he sought not to the Lord. But to the physicians, continue. Asa slept with his fathers and died. I want to tell you something. It wasn't the strength of the disease that killed him. It was the neglect of the cure. The Bible said he didn't ask God. He didn't pray. He didn't pray about it. He didn't ask the Lord to do it. And he died simply because he failed to ask. I felt so strongly impressed. I'll probably preach this everywhere I go for the next little while. But the Lord has told me this church is doing it without a lot of stuff that we don't have to do without. And the reason we're doing it without is because nobody amongst us has got the audacity to stand up and ask. The point said it like this. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions will they bring. For his grace and power are such, none could ever ask too much. I've never read in the Bible where God said, no, I can't do that. I've never read in the Bible where God said, you're asking too much. I've never read where God said, I might stop you here. You're just, you're just asking for me to do things. You know, I, I, you're, you're kind of pushing me against the wall here. No, no, but I hear him say, ask and you will receive. 
Seek and you will find. If you will knock, it will be open unto you. Genesis 18 and 27, I love this verse. I love it. And the Bible says, and Abraham answered and said, Behold now, God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I love this, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. But Abraham said, I'm fixing to get in your face. I know I'm a nothing and I'm a nobody, but I'm fixing to have a talk with you. I have taken upon myself to stand and to speak before the Lord. And if you'll study that little story, this is what you're going to learn. When Abraham quit, stopped, God only stopped answering. When Abraham stopped asking. I want to say that again. God only stopped answering when Abraham stopped asking. As long as he asked, God said yes. As long as he asked, God said yes. But when he stopped, God stopped. Church, we need the baptism of the audacity to say, I know I'm a nothing and a nobody, but I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to ask him to do remarkable things, to do marvelous things, to do mighty things, to do unthinkable things, to do great and mighty things. We must not limit the Holy One of Israel. So let me quickly move on. Talk about an improper perception of him and an improper perception of the Holy Ghost in us. I just recently kind of put this together. The Bible said he cast out devils by the finger of God. The Bible said his arm brought salvation. That's powerful, ain't it? Cast out devils with a finger. Arm brought salvation. But when you have the Holy Ghost, you've got the fullness of him in you. You don't just have a finger, and you don't just have an arm. You've got the completion of the entirety of the power of God in you. Because the Holy Ghost is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The devil tiptoes by apostolic churches every Sunday, praying we never recognize or come awake and alert to the power that's really within us. Because we've got world-changing power. We've got life-changing power. We've got the ability to shake our city. We've got the ability to shake our world. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Matthew chapter 15 tells a very interesting story that I enjoy. A woman came to Jesus seeking deliverance for her daughter. The Bible said the disciples ignored her. Jesus called her a goat, and then he called her a dog. It's in the book. Read it, Matthew 15. The disciples said, get rid of her. How did Jesus call her a goat? He said, I'm not sent but to the, to the lost house of Israel, the household of Israel. And you're not a Jew. This is not about you. So he called her a goat. Disciples ignored her. Jesus called her a dog. He said, it's not meat to take the children's bread 
give it to the dogs. But this woman had a perception that was powerful, that was unrelenting and would not be hindered. You see, Brother Anderson, you come help me now. You're tall, lanky, you got a long arm. Come over, I need some help right now. What she wanted, what this woman was wanting Jesus to do was on the other side of Calvary. It was in another dispensation that wasn't even born yet. But this woman's perception calls Jesus to reach over Calvary, over the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and bring out of another generation and dispensation a miracle into her generation that she did not even have a right to receive. I know God doesn't believe in credit, but I got to believe he believes in a little credit because he said, woman, what you're wanting to get, it hasn't even been paid for yet. You're asking me to do something that hasn't even been purchased, but I know I'm going to pay the price, so I'm going to go ahead and let you have a little credit. I'm going to go ahead and give you what hasn't even been paid for yet because of your great perception. Somebody shout, yeah! It's all about what you think about him. It's all about how you see him. Now here's her perception that so moved Jesus. Wow. Jesus said, it's not yours. Doesn't belong to you. You're just a dog. She said, wait a minute, buddy. You ain't getting rid of me that easy. I'm not buying that. She said, I know this much. Whew. Dogs get the crumbs. Dogs get the crumbs. Jesus could not resist that. You know what she was saying? I know how powerful you are. And for you to give me this miracle is just a crumb. I'm not asking for the children's bread. I'm not asking for a slice of it. I'm not asking for a loaf of it. But for you to heal my daughter, that can take place with just a crumb. Just a crumb can do what I'm asking for. The problem with us is we see our needs so mammoth. We see our challenge so great. We see it so dynamic. This woman said, for you to heal my daughter, that's just a crumb that would fall under the table. I want you to know God is a mighty God, and you need to believe in his astounding power. I said, Jesus, you can do this. It's no problem for you. I'm not asking you for something big, great, dynamic, something that's hard, something that's difficult. You can do this. It's easy. <laughs> Quickly move it to conclusion. I'm going to leave some out. I'm going to leave some out and go to conclusion. We've got to go eat that barbecue. Mark chapter 6. Go get the crumbs that are on the master's table. I think i got a verse. Mark, look, look at this. Probably some of you preachers saw this 40 years ago. But it just hit me real hard recently. 
Everybody read that aloud with me. Ready? And he could do there no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Do you know what that verse is saying? Healing is no mighty work. The Bible said he could do no mighty work there. Oh, I'll just heal a few people. All I can do is heal a few people. I can't really do what I want to do because there's unbelief here. But I'll just, uh, I'll go ahead and heal a few people. And then I'll tell you, that's no mighty work. Church, we've got to get to a place in God where we realize healings are no mighty work. It is no mighty, it's a wonderful work. It's a fabulous work. But it is not a mighty work. We are limiting the Holy One of Israel. And God is saying, I'm upset about it. Uh, you grieve me. I'm provoked about this because you just won't let me do what I want to do for you. There is so much more I want to give you. There is so much more I want to bless you with. There is so much more that I have for you. But somebody's got to take the chains off of me. Somebody's got to unfetter me. Somebody's got to unbind me. Somebody's got to let me go. And then the final point is inappropriate appraisal of Calvary's purchase. When people used to ask me, how are you doing? I'd say, now I didn't know somebody on the radio was saying this all the time. I just kind of thought, I, I, I thought I thunk it up. But I found out I didn't thunk it up. Somebody else was saying it. Somebody said, how you doing? Better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. I began to analyze that statement. And you know what? <laughs> Better than I deserve ain't much. <laughs> I'll say that again. Better than I deserve is not very much. Because I don't deserve very much. It's like a guy who went to apply for a job. And when he got through the interview, the man said, now I'm going to hire you. The employer said, now I'm going to hire you. But he said, uh, we can talk about your salary. Uh, the employer said, uh, tell me, what do you think you're worth? He said, I ain't working for that. <laughs> I ain't working for that. The problem with Pentecostals is we think we're worth everything we get from God. We get from God what we think we're worth. We get the miracles we think we deserve. We get the blessings we feel like are worthy of us. But here's where God's wanting us to move us. From what we deserve to what His blood, His stripes, His sacrifice, His atonement, His propitiation. Somebody needs to know, He paid for more than what I've got. He paid for me to have a better life than I'm living. He paid for me to see more miracles than I'm receiving. He paid for a greater revival than I'm having right now. It's not about what I deserve. It's about what he deserves. I'm going to take the limits off of him, and I'm going to start living like what he's paid for. 
You're right, I don't deserve it, but that blood deserves it. That sacrifice deserves it. That death, burial, resurrection, it paid for a glorious church, a rapture-ready church, a revival church, a blessed church. tear this up. Is this any good? So, a couple of my mentors, older preachers than myself, I heard one of them tell this story. I love it. They were best buds. And one of them pastored a church. It was thriving, being blessed, doing really good. The other one was starting a church, and he was suffering financially. So the one that was doing real good called his buddy, and said, uh, I want you to come preach for me. Well, really, he didn't want to come bless his church so much. He was using that as an excuse to give him some money. He wanted to bless his ministry. He wanted to bless the church. So when church is over and the man preached, the pastor handed him a check. And when he opened it, it was three, four, five times what you would normally pay a man for preaching a sermon. He was blown away. He opened it up and said, oh, no, 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 no. That is way too much money. They were best friends now. He said, that's way too much money. The other guy said, let me see that check. He handed it back to him. He took that check and he said, and wrote him another one for half. He said, now, the next time somebody tries to bless you, you say thank you. Don't you stand there. No, you can't do that. No, I'm not going to receive that. That's too much. He said, the next time somebody tries to bless you, you just say thank you. See, the problem in the church is I see all of us, God's trying to give you stuff that's so phenomenal. It's so magnificent. It's so big. You back up. No, no. No, I can't take that. No. <laughs> Can I cuss just a little bit? Shucks. That's just too much money. I can't do that. I can't have that. And God says, listen. You don't know what I'm trying to do. I want you to quit arguing with God and just say, thank you. Thank you. He wants to give you a miracle better than you could ever imagine. If you'll jump to your feet tonight and shout, thank you. Thank you. I just want to thank you, Lord. I'm not going to say I'm no deserve it. I'm not going to say I'm not worthy. I'm not going to say I can't have it. I'm not going to say I can't do it. I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I wish somebody step out of that aisle right now. God's been trying to do something for you and you've been resisting him. You've been arguing with him. I don't deserve it, God. I'm not good enough, God. I'm not holy enough, God. I don't pray enough, God. You step out of that aisle. And you lift your hands and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. He was grieved. He was provoked. Miracle worker. Because they limited him. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Turn around, somebody say, God's got a miracle for you. Let him do it. Light in the darkness. 